create some sort of uh, ecosystem or platform where there, there is a communication that can be had between the two of them and forward is just enabling the sale. Hi there, food enthusiasts. My name is Chris Raczkowski, your host today for the Future Foodcast, where we talk with thought leaders in today's food industry and discuss the trends and technology that will shape the future of food. Today, I'm very happy to be speaking with Cole Frode, founder and director of coffee at Forward Coffee. He's also a partner and director of coffee at a company called Rosso Coffee. Um, these are companies here in Canada where I happen to be happily almost a neighbor with Cole um, in Calgary. Um, welcome to the program today, Cole. Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Well, I've had the great benefit of uh, meeting you at your facility um, recently. You gave me an amazing tour of a really world-class uh, operation that you have for coffee roasting, um, and we're going to get into that later. But um, it's really exciting also for me and I think our audience to hear kind of your backstory. How did you get to where you are today? Um, and, you know, just jumping into the food sector and you're, you have a quite interesting education along the way as well. I'm going to date myself here. I graduated high school in 2009 and I, I really wanted to uh, do kind of the gap year. I wanted to travel. I wanted to you know, work different different jobs and sort of figure out what I wanted to do. I was never a fan of the classroom. I was never a fan of, of sitting and, and hearing lectures, and especially when they weren't something I wanted to hear. It, it wasn't, mm. wasn't an optional lecture. I, I love learning, but I didn't love, you know, the education system, if you will. And so I wanted to do a gap year, kind of figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up. And uh, I wanted to travel to Australia in that, in that year. I didn't end up going. I, I had some family complications that occurred and ended up getting a job here in Calgary where, where I'm based and got a job just working in coffee. And uh, I was working in a mom and pop shop, doesn't exist anymore today, but I, I ended up transitioning from working there to working with, with my oldest brother who had started a, a coffee shop a few years prior. And I guess long story short, I'm now on my you know 11th or 12th gap year and still telling my parents that I don't know what I want to be when I grow up <laughs> so uh it it's been it's been an interesting journey I started as a barista I got got really involved in there's there's coffee competitions that that happen globally and there's uh, World Coffee Events is is a entity within the Specialty Coffee Association and they uh, govern seven different world coffee competitions and I've been a competitive guy my whole life I've got two older brothers and you know played played sports etc and and got involved in coffee competitions uh, at the, the same year that I started working with my brother at, at Cafe Rosso it was called at the time and you know 10 11 uh, maybe 12 years later we've we've been very involved every year in competition and that's sort of been a, a structure and pathway into building a business honestly um, we it, early on wanted to start roasting so we had a bit of a competitive advantage and more control over what we offered in the competition itself and it also made sense you know economically we we had two cafes we were opening a third cafe we wanted to start roasting for ourselves uh, not long after that, so that's, that's 2012, uh, and that's how I got involved in in the business as a 
as a partner and, and sort of, you know, another voice in the room, if you will. And in 2015, we decided we wanted to go and start traveling to coffee producing countries, meeting the people that were, were, were purchasing their coffee, were serving their coffee, were, were telling that story. So that happened in 2015. And then in uh, 2019, we decided to take a bit of a fork in the road and, and split our businesses into split our business into two businesses. And so now today we have uh, Rosso Coffee Roasters, which is the facility that you you and I walked through the other day. And then we also have Forward Specialty Green Coffee Importers, which is is today my my primary primary day-to-day -day job role is uh, facilitating facilitating purchases of specialty coffee, green, raw, unroasted coffee, and mm -hmm. uh, bringing those those beans to Canada, bring, bringing that, mm -hmm. that coffee to Canada. And uh, part, part of the motto, and I, I think something that we're going to probably dive deeper into, so I'll just touch it on a surface level, but, but part of the key goal there is to cut out every middleman and sort of go as direct to the source as we as we can and ensure that the, the the dollars we're paying are not just a premium but they are also a premium going into the hands of the people that are putting their effort their love their sweat their tears in into producing these coffees yes yeah, like you said there's a lot that we're going to dive in today um your business really i would say represents the ethos that we're looking to expose here on uh, this this podcast and such amazing work that you're that you and your team are doing i wanted to go back and highlight one thing just to kind of let the audience also really more clearly understand sort of your expertise in the coffee area and you mentioned these coffee competitions um, maybe can you can describe a little bit about what you do at these competi competitions and, and maybe some of the successes that you've had there Sure. Uh, so, so I mentioned there's seven different world coffee competitions. Uh, so they dive into kind of every category or facet of, of coffee. So the one that I've competed in, which it's called the barista competition. So it, it's kind of the, the premier of the seven competitions. It's the longest standing of, of the seven. Uh, there's barista, there's brewers, there's cup tasters, there's latte art, there's roasting, there's Cezve Ibrik, which is like Turkish coffee is, is I think how we know it here in, in the mm -hmm. Western world. And there is one that I am missing, but that's fine. Sorry to the people I'm offending by missing that one. <laughs> uh, so barista competition is essentially the structure of it. You have 15 minutes to present to four sensory judges. There's two technical judges and then there's a head judge. And in your 15 minutes, you kind of do this. I always reference it as, as a dance routine because it's very choreographed. It's very scripted. You know that that when I'm serving this cup to this judge, I need to say this line, etc. And so you you serve four espressos, four milk beverages, and four signature beverages. And the idea is you're you're pitching why this coffee. You know, you, you have this this sort of spiel that goes along with your presentation, and then they're they're judging you mostly on sensory components and how if I say it's going to taste like A, B, and C. I think we got most of that sort of competition base 
that you're involved with. And, and the reason I brought that up, and I know we could go deeper there, but I just wanted to highlight to the audience that you know, not only are you an entrepreneur, a founder, um, a world traveler, specifically um, going to find coffee producers, go to coffee t competitions, meet with other coffee experts, you're also involved with these, you know, these actual competitions as a professional. So I would say a very well-rounded global expert in this space, which is important, I think, in the context of all these other things that we're going to talk about. You're not just a guy who kind of likes coffee and started a business. You're, you have a huge passion about this. And you also have a huge passion about, as you started to explain, of really going straight to suppliers, cutting out middle people, and trying to make sure that the finances go where the value is created. Exactly. Is that fair to say? I think, I think that's a beautiful way to say it, yeah. Maybe let's talk a little bit more about um, just on your business side now, and what is forward doing in this business? Because it's, you know, we hear a lot about different coffee companies, whether global companies or tiny little companies, and their goal is really to sell a product that I can make in my kitchen, whether I have to grind the beans or I pour it out of a can, I, I can make coffee. Tell us what the forward coffee business model is. So at, at the end of the day, I, I also want to be the product in your kitchen, and I, I want to give you the capability of you know making it simple and making it great we're trying to be as transparent as we can in in the business side of things so uh it, to give context to, to traditional green coffee importers they're often multinational conglomerates you know they're they're very very big businesses and i've always found they're really hard to deal with just in the context of if I'm interested in something, I need to essentially send them a big resume of, of what my business is, how much volume we're going through, you know, where I'm buying from right now. They need mm -hmm. to know all of this data about me before they'll allow me to know any data about their products. And mm -hmm. the reason they're doing that, at least in my opinion, is they're creating a price sheet that fits my specs and if my volume is over this threshold i get this discount and frankly mm -hmm. i think that's bullshit and mm -hmm. pardon me if i'm not allowed to swear on the podcast but, <laughs> but that's my that's my thought on that it's it's benefiting bigger businesses and you know the little guy is getting squeezed in in every way shape and form in that in that value proposition it just doesn't make any sense to me so our our focus at forward is to be transparent in our business practices for one, but also just be transparent in our offerings. So it's actually, our, our platform is set up as an e-commerce platform, which doesn't mean you need to shop it on, you know, the same way you would a, a traditional e-commerce shop. I, I can work with you as, as your, you know, as, as your sales guy and I can send you samples and I can, you know, build a little list and, and invoice you from the back end. It, but the big difference is we're trying to put as much information that we think is pertinent or relevant to the value, the, the exchange of monetary value onto mm -hmm. the website with all of that information about the, the coffee itself, where it's produced, how it's produced, the variety it is, the, maybe the mindset behind it and, and the theory, et cetera. We're, we're trying to put that all front and center on the website for, frankly, anybody. Mm -hmm. Whether you're buying the coffee or not, it, I want it to be, I want it to be an education platform, but I also want it to be a place where 
maybe industry people can feel inspired or, or mm-hmm. see unique offerings, but also maybe enthusiasts at some point will go to the website and they'll, you know, they'll see stuff and they'll go, wow, that's neat. And then they'll see that, that this particular coffee, 50% of the lot sold to this roaster in their hometown or nearby to them. And they can kind of see the traceability that it, you know, it started here and then forward had it here and then forward sent it over to this guy here. And I, Mm -hmm. I want to kind of bridge and, and create that platform that is showing where, where these coffees are going Mm -hmm. because the coffees, at least I believe the coffees that I'm selling, they're produced with intention. They're roasted with intention. I'd like to hope they're being consumed with intention. And I think with, with all of those things being intentional, I want people to know where they've gone and I want Mm -hmm. them to know where they've been. And I believe that is a value add that I am offering as a platform. What you're describing is that forward coffee is really at the the leading edge of, you know, sort of this decentralized ecosystems that are developing in this case, in the food space of sort of flattening out the market, if you will, like you said, you're taking out, you're, you're not necessarily taking out the big, suppliers but or the big um, purchasers but they may not participate at least in the near in at this point on that platform um, but you're making it transparent for everybody from a, another retailer potentially all the way to consumers like myself on where their product is coming from making that accessible to them almost as if they're able to go directly into sort of an old style market and meet the person who's actually selling that coffee, in this case, virtually meet them. Is that uh, an okay analogy? Yeah, I, I think it works. Or, or maybe another one is you go into a restaurant and you know, depending on the quality of the restaurant, they might say that the, the pork chop is from this specific farm, the, the chicken mm-hmm. is from this specific farm. And you know, does that change our life by knowing that information? No, but it gives us the the conscious mind that that is purchased ethically it's it's mm-hmm. transparent so we we would imagine that both parties know that this is happening they, mm-hmm. there's a fair exchange of value you know, you know all those things all of a sudden there's a psychological shift that happens to a consumer by simply knowing where it's from right and if they can go as far as how it's made you know amazing and they can educate themselves a, a step further in, into the product and I would love to know where everything I consume or use or, or all, you know, anything is, is made or how it's made. And, and frankly, I'll make decisions on what products I will and won't use based on the knowledge of where, where it happens, right. How it happens yeah. and, and et cetera. So I, I think, you know, we had a conversation and, and I'd love to actually talk about it, but the, the decentralized mindset and the transparency and in, in using modern technology, new age technology, whatever we, we want to call it, cryptographic technology to have understanding as consumers, producers, you know, resellers of, of where everything has mm-hmm. been, the value add that each, each hand that touches it has, has created and just, just better understanding. I think that sort of technology is, is coming. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking into it. I would love to adopt it. And I think 
you know, maybe, maybe that's a 2022 goal of mm-hmm. mine is, is to, to better understand that and better implement it. You know, let's do dive into that, but, you know, also want to highlight kind of what you're describing here. It's something we've seen in a number of cases on this podcast and, you know, that we see around us in society is that people are literally sort of changing their purchasing decision process. Now, there are certain demographics that seem to do that more. Um, Let's just say people 35 and under, I think, are leading the way in that area. But this is how a lot of new things happen in the world over um, various decades. There really is an interest now. And instead of just how much does it cost and how does it taste? You know, those are two key qualifiers that really are probably always going to be leaders. But now there is... Not only is there increased interest in, say, a purchaser's um, awareness of sustainability, of origin, of fair economics, whatever fair is in their mind, sort of colliding with the technical capability to deliver that. Because, frankly, if you really wanted that 10 years ago, well, you're stuck because, you know, it's really hard to implement. And, of course, even before that, the only way you figure that out is by actually doing what you do is going all the way to the producer side and understanding where that's coming from and getting comfortable with it. But like you said, you're looking forward at this. You're not necessarily, you're certainly very tech savvy, but you and your team, you're not a dev team building the next, you know, platform out there necessarily, at least you maybe you hope not to be that, but you look at the technology as an enabler for your philosophy. And, you know, maybe talk more deeply about that, of how does this decentralization follow your philosophy and what you perceive and what you're serving to your customers as, you know, satisfying their philosophies in understanding product origin. Before I get there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about just, I think the word decentralized because coffee is centralized. And I think that's maybe important to touch on before, before we dive deeper and depending on how long this takes, I might need you to, to no, re-ask please. the question. Coffee is a commodity. Obviously coffee is a commodity. It's, it's traded on the New York Stock Exchange. You can look up, uh, if you look up the International Coffee Exchange, ICE, you can find today's daily price in the C market, we call it the commodity market of coffee. So uh, therefore coffee is centralized. There are, there are people who dictate the price. There is a market that dictates the price and that price sets the floor. And generally speaking, depending on country of origin, depending on coffee quality, depending on volumes, depending on a multitude of factors that frankly are really, really hard, hard to understand on a macroeconomic sense, price is set by the sea market. And that price fluctuates every day. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in Calgary, where, where we're based, I think that's, that's relatively easy to convey to people because we talk about barrels of oil and, and the price of oil so frequently. So I, I think people kind of have a, an, an easy comparison there. But there's you know, plenty of, of commodities that trade on, on a commodity market or mm-hmm. a commodity exchange. And so, so therefore, they are centralized. The way that Forward is doing it in a decentralized manner, whether that's 100% true or not, but the way that forward is is operating is not using that market or that exchange whatsoever, and rather I'm I'm going around that market or bypassing it, going directly to the source and and 
saying to a coffee producer, you know, what do you think your price, what, what do you think this is worth? And they're giving me a, just the same way that, that somebody would come to me and say, what, you know, what are you going to sell your product for? Well, I've got my cost of goods. I've got my, my labor. I've got, you know, the electricity I've got, here's, here's everything that I'm paying for. You know, here, here's my total cost. This is what I'd like to make on top. That's what I think is going to be a, you know, sustainable business model. So in the context of forward, my goal is to make 30% margin just across the board. That's my ultimate goal for coffees that are landed spot inventory. I, I will incentivize people to purchase earlier in, in the exchange. So if you're to purchase and I've already booked the coffee and it's, let's say it's on a boat on its way to Canada, it's going to be a 20% margin is my goal. Mm-hmm. If, if you're going to travel with me to the country and you're going to select your coffees and I'm going to do the logistics and everything involved in getting it to, you know, into my facility or your facility, whatever we kind of talk about, it's going to be a 10% margin. Mm-hmm. Everything else in that, in that, you know, exchange of monetary value is, is going to go toward logistics and getting it from point A to point B. And then everything else is going to be paid to the, the coffee producer. And so in that sense, we're bypassing the system that exists and has existed for you know, years and years and years and years and has always been the exchange for coffee. And instead, we're just going to the source and saying, hey, what do you need to make your business make sense? Because mm-hmm. you know, we're not buying from farmers. We're buying from entrepreneurs. We're mm-hmm. buying from like-minded individuals who see growth and prosperity through a product that has been so heavily commoditized Mm -hmm. and they're trying to break it out and show to the world that you know coffee is more than just coffee it is it is not just for caffeine coffee is actually Mm -hmm. one of the most chemically complex food stuff we have on the planet with depending on the source you read a thousand to thirteen hundred naturally naturally identified aromatic compounds to compare that to wine, which, you know, the world spends billions and billions and billions of dollars in wine annually, wine only has about three to 500 naturally identified aromatic compounds. Yet yeah. there's such a hierarchy or prestige or, or something that that's put puts wine on this pedestal. And I love wine, don't get me wrong. But coffee is far more complex, it's mm-hmm. far more nuanced, and I think it's far more interesting. Yeah personal, personal bias. Well, you're obviously not alone. There are a tremendous number of people out there that are, you know, pretty deep coffee aficionados, you know, maybe they not certainly not, you know, kind of dove into your level of that, but you know, it's an important part of their day. And it's yeah. not just, um, you know, you know, whatever powdered coffee off the shelf in a five pound container, you know, people, you know, you see people spending a lot of money on this stuff because it's important to them. And, right. and those people certainly are going to approach this space also as a fine wine connoisseur will also. It's like, they want to know where it's from. All these things that you're delivering. Now, I'm curious. It's uh, I, I see how you're treating this process and those buyers that enter your process, we know that they certainly are interested in it. But how do the suppliers enter this process? We know that one of the ways is that you go out and you meet them 
and you invite them in or not, depending on their standards and their quality, is that going to be your sort of primary method of bringing suppliers in? Or how do you see that growing over time? Yeah, great, great question. I'm not sure I have a perfect answer for it, but, but generally speaking, I, I've been fortunate meet coffee producers at different trade shows or be connected with, uh, again, going back to the competition scene in the barista competition, I, I had two chances to compete the world barista championships. Mm-hmm. And in, in both those instances, I'm the sole Canadian, I'm representing the country of Canada and I'm competing against 60 other nations, 60 other baristas. And although we're standing there as individuals competing, you know, we've got a team of people behind us. So let's say there's 200 people in the backstage and the, the people, you know, they range from every continent on the planet. There's, there's a representative in numerous, numerous different countries. And through this competition platform and, and sort of the trade show that, that would surround the competition, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to connect with you know, so many uh, like-minded individuals and, and mm-hmm. I get the privilege of calling them friends and, and also now being in business with some of them. So an example mm-hmm. of that is a, in, in 2019, I was competing in Boston is, is where the World Barista Championship was, was hosted. And a friend of mine named Carlos de la Torre, who's based in Mexico City and was representing Mexico as the, the Mexican barista champion. I uh, was serving a coffee from the state of Veracruz, Mexico, by a, a producer named Samuel Ronzon. I, at the time, didn't know Samuel. I now call him Sammy, but I, I didn't know Sammy. I didn't know anything about his coffee. I didn't really even have Mexican coffee on my radar, to be honest with you. It was two mm-hmm. years ago. So Carlos and I ended up becoming you know, pretty good buddies. We, we chat on, on a regular, and we have now actually competed in different competitions from from different sources not through the the world coffee events and in 2019 he and i competed in three different competitions in different parts of of the world one was Mm. in boston one was in la and one was in hainan china and in all three he used sammy's coffee Mm. so in all three of these i got to to taste sammy's coffee and each time i thought to myself shit this is really good Nice. This is really good stuff. And in the third competition, which Carlos won, I was based in LA and Sammy was there. And, you know, I've, he and I have been kind of gallivanting to these different competitions. I've gotten to taste Sammy's coffee. And next thing, here's Sammy in the flesh, you know, in LA and I, and I get to meet him. And now fast forward two years and I buy all of Sammy's coffee outside of Mexico. You know, that that all connected and happened through the structure and, and the organization of these coffee competitions. And, yeah. and just in participation of those and being active in the community and, and chatting with people, trying their coffees. You know, I've, I've been connected with so many incredible coffee producers that are, are doing just different practices on their farms that are different again to the sort of centralized traditional commodity conventional right. market that that coffee is and and always has been yeah let's uh, kind of dive into this case a little bit more because I, I feel like it might be uh, sort of a good use case or you know business case for 
sort of illustrating how this decentralized system is working as you're developing it. Um, we heard how you you met this individual, Sammy, and became interested in the product, et cetera. But now it sounds like you are essentially his exclusive export source for his product. Why? I mean, he has a choice of you know selling all over the world, and you know based on the competitions he's been in. Frankly, I mean, you and I happen to have a ton of exposure in China, and there are plenty of people and companies in China that would pay a huge amount of money to buy everything that he's got for all sorts of reasons. Why does he want to work with you? Yeah, fantastic question. I wake up every morning wondering the same thing, actually. No, I'm kidding. Uh, he, I think he and I are very like-minded individuals. He's, he's very invested and enrolled in the idea of transparency within our industry, something I... I also am, am you know equally invested in uh, he loves the idea of having his coffee at, at a company or, or represented by a company like forward which isn't a circus of coffees you know it's not it's not a little bit of everything it's really it's really kind of focused on similar producers like himself smaller mm. smaller scale more intentional more uh, more value-driven mm -hmm. and, and va value-driven on, on personal ethos, not value-driven on dollar value. We, we share a lot of values. And one of those is transparency. And he wants people to know what he's doing with his coffee. He is an open book when it comes to experimentation. He's an open book when it comes to anything he's doing doing on the farm. He wants to so maybe to give more context of him, he's a multi-generational coffee producer. He's, I think, fourth generation in uh, Hico, Veracruz, spelled X-I-C-O. And so he's got this, this plot of land that has traditionally either been for con conventional coffees. Mm -hmm. And so he's got these sort of old growth red bourbon and tipiga plants that, that are 30, 40 years old for, for coffee. That's old growth. We, mm. we refer to that. Um, and he's, he's slowly planting new coffee varieties and he's planting uh, exotic coffee varieties is how we would call it. Java, uh, Maragohipe, Pacamara, Geisha, uh, things that, that maybe aren't native to the, the coffee landscape in, in Mexico or in Veracruz specifically where he's based. His wife, Gloria, is a PhD in biochemistry. Mm. And so all of a sudden you've got this, this guy who knows agriculture, the ins and outs, he's practicing permaculture, he's doing syntropic agriculture, you know, regenerative agriculture, bio, he, he's got biodiversity, like nobody's business on his farm, he's intercropped, he's mm. biodynamic, he, you know, he's got all these different words that I just said that I'm not sure I really mean. I know what they mean, but he's doing all these things. And then he's got his wife who understands biochemistry at such a high degree that, that they're, they're meeting in the middle and she's designing these incredible processing techniques. Mm -hmm. So uh, coffee is a cherry. It's harvested from the tree. Traditionally, the, the fruit and the mucilage of the cherry is removed. And then we dry the seeds. And mm -hmm. that's, that's coffee as we've traditionally known it. They are now taking the cherries off the tree and they're doing intentional fermentations. They're, they're adding different microorganisms or, or 
bacteria is to inoculate those fermentations and they're trying to drive flavor in their coffee that is not traditional mm-hmm. in their coffee landscape. And so they're, they're a really forward thinking couple and, and I think have an incredible background story and then really pride themselves on the transparency of their practices to, to try to speak specialty coffee into more communities and, and mm-hmm. into more facets of, of the world. So I think aligning with a company like Forward, who is going to share that transparency is really critical to them, but it's also fascinating in their specific case it is actually, it is more viable to ship all of their coffee to Canada and export the coffee from Canada to each of the clients they had prior to uh, this 2021 is the first year I've, I've purchased all of their, their crop outside of Mexico. Mm-hmm. They sell a decent amount within Mexico, but I've got everything outside. I am able to get it to their clients for less than if they sold it to them direct and went by mm. air, which mm. I think is incredible to consider that it has to come from Mexico to Canada and then outward. And it's it's a better economic solution to, to getting the products into the hands of the people that want it. There can be lots of good reasons for that, which you know is, is another topic. But I, I think for me, this illustrates some of the amazing experiences that we're going to see over the next five years with this flattening landscape of suppliers, sort of a a middle company like yourself, which is going, providing direct to consumers or direct, for example, to coffee houses, et cetera, in in your case. Um, Not only is it creating a situation where this particular producer gets let's say a respectable price for their product and doesn't have to fight tooth and nail for that, but it's enabling them to actually explore their passion, which is producing other types of coffee without literally being crammed down into the commodities market saying, this is the only place your coffee can go. And, you know, and not really an expert here, but I would say probably 20 years ago, there were a lot less options like this. You want to sell your coffee, it's a commodity. There's a bunch of big companies that control these supply chains. You're going to sell to them or you're not going to sell. And that's the way it was. And I, I know from talking to others in the coffee space that the, the percentage of the final retail price of coffee that is earned by farmers has gone down tremendously over the last 20 or 30 years. And I think you're turning that around and enabling sort of a blossoming of creativity and of financial health. And that's becoming possible because one, this ethos in decentralization that you and your company represents, but also frankly, the technology to make this possible, which I I think as you described is, although you're not a tech company in that sense, it's something that you're bringing on board to enable your vision, to enable your ethos. Um, Do you see maybe similar opportunities for, let's stay with coffee, other coffee suppliers that might then fall into your system to, you know, essentially express themselves in their product. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. as Forward continues to establish, it's it's been two years now. As Forward continue, continues to establish, I think ideally we find some sort of tech solution that that gives gives and empowers roasters to 
almost pre-purchase or, or pre-book coffees with coffee producers and mm -hmm. and automate that process or, or create some sort of create some sort of uh, ecosystem or platform where there there is a communication that can be had between the two of them and forward is just enabling the sale mm -hmm. and and the logistics component and you know the things that need to happen in order for the product to get from point a to point b but you know a tech solution for forward is is exactly that and then incentivize people to to, to book earlier to you know mm -hmm. if, if the harvest is coming in january you know, book the coffee in june book the coffee mm -hmm. in september book book the coffee in a way that you know it's coming you can plan for it they can plan for it i can plan for it and ideally everything goes according to plan yeah right? but th this is i think also the flexibility of distributed systems because you ultimately coffee can be sourced globally and as you have successful platform and systems well you know maybe right now most of your products coming from mexico central america just theoretically let's say for now Clearly there are suppliers in Africa, there are suppliers in Asia, and this all gets balanced out um, globally, but that is much more robust as a distributed system, you know, with smaller suppliers versus the massive supply chains that frankly, the whole food industry right now is suffering from because of supply chain challenges. Um, so I, I really, I feel like what Forward's doing with your leadership is really sort of cracking open the future, not only of coffee, but a lot of different types of uh, food supply, everything from potatoes and corn, all the way down to, you know, the highest value products out there, like coffees, chocolates, et cetera. Uh, you mentioned something that, that triggered this thought for me, the economics on coffee, that the amount of, uh, you spoke to somebody and the amount of money on a per cup basis that ends up mm -hmm. back in the farmer's hands is you know, it's embarrassing, frankly, for, for the rest of the industry. And nobody wants to talk about that because nobody pays enough money for coffee, but we sell it mm -hmm. for plenty. I, I think in the average equation on a, you know, 12 ounce cup of coffee, three, 350 ml, I think it works out to about three cents, four or five cents go back to the coffee producer. And I think on average, that cup is probably sold for about three bucks. So I think using Sammy as an example, his coffee, uh, I, I pay him about $10 per pound for the, the lower end coffees on his menu. And mm. that will get up to, I'm not sure where we got up to, $16, $17 per pound. And to give context, the, the commodity market right now is at a 10-year high, and it's $2.50 per pound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... My, my baseline that I'm paying Sammy, let's say, is four, four times the commodity market for, for easy mm -hmm. math. The, the breakdown on the economics for that, for the same cup of coffee, it would cost me probably 50 or 60 cents in products to brew a 12-ounce or 350 milliliter cup of coffee. And I think if I were to sell it for $5, I think it's a pretty tangible price point. I think it's lower than any glass of wine or any beer of any quality at any restaurant, right? I've, I'm yeah. not sure we have less than $5 beers served anywhere or $5 wine. Not so much. Anywhere. And that's going to be one of the best cups of coffee that is available in the market. And, mm -hmm. and I could make a tangible business in selling it for five bucks 
you know, and, and have a substantial way above market valuation going back to, to the farm mm-hmm. where yeah. all of that money is also going back to the farm. It's quite mm-hmm. fascinating when, when you break down the economics and sort of work it on a per cap basis, it's not, it doesn't have to be more expensive to the consumer. There's plenty of margin in there for the coffee shop or the mm-hmm. roaster if their practices yeah. are, are well executed. And that's what we're seeing now with these capabilities coming out and companies, especially small, medium-sized companies, really focusing on that quality and that transparency. And the market's going to decide. The market's already deciding because this wasn't some crazy idea that somebody started, not just you, but many others, um, five years ago. And, okay, that trend's gone. It's growing. It's growing significantly. And uh, again, yours is such an amazing process for illustrating what's happening here because you're really able to go back to the source um, and know what ha- what's happening across it and communicate that to your customers and provide that transparency in an online mechanism as well. So excellent, excellent progress. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, we've had a really good discussion here. Um, we've had a few technical difficulties, but, you know, we'll, that'll be fine. We'll get through them. And um, we're definitely going to need to have you back on this program. Sure. Like you said, you're, I, I see you're quite far on this journey of pursuing a fair, transparent system, pursuing the opportunities of decentralization and the technology that's supporting that. Um, but as you also said, 2022s, going to bring a lot of change for you. And I think, let, you know, let's come back in the first quarter of next year and uh, see where that's taking you and, and maybe also dive some more into the truly amazing world-class facility. Literally, this guy here has a world-class coffee roasting um, and selection facility here in Calgary, very possibly one of the top in the world. Amazing. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Uh, I, I would love to reconnect, you know, maybe maybe toward the end of, of Q1 into Q2. I think uh, there's there's definitely a, a progress to be made on the conversation. I'm planning to spend sort of three-ish weeks with with Sammy and Gloria at their facility in, in Mexico, in Veracruz, mm-hmm. and sort of work with them in peak harvest season and, and get you know, hands-on and, and understand the product in a more intimate and more uh, personalized way and really experience, you know, what, what that is to go through peak harvest, whether it is to mm-hmm. go through processing and, and that experience, I, I'm hoping will, will further change my perspective on coffee. So I'd love to chat with you more about what that ends up, you know, looking like, whether it destroys me or uh, completely <laughs> recreates me, we'll see. I think uh, but it's going to energize would, you. I would also love to uh, sort of end this with with some food for thought for consumers out there that that might be listening. And this is, this is something I've been I've been saying now for for quite some time. And I know it's a very controversial thing to hear, but I I want to challenge people to consider why they are drinking coffee. Is it for the caffeine? Is it for the you know, the notion that you need coffee to wake up in the morning? Are you using it in a similar capacity or fashion to, you know, a substance that, that you're maybe abusing and, and you maybe have a dependency on it? I think those things are all artificially created. I don't think caffeine is doing the thing you think it is doing. And I, I think you should consider 
the way you drink, you may, you know, maybe a nice glass of wine. I doubt you're drinking that nice glass of wine to get, get drunk. You're probably enjoying it for the experience, for the company, for the intention. And I'd like to challenge the people that are listening to this to do the same with coffee. Mm -hmm. Don't drink it for the alcohol, the drug, the substance, you know, the caffeine in this instance, but drink it for the mindfulness and the, maybe the joy it brings you, you know, understand the flavors and look at coffee in a different light. Cause I think the second you start to, to find a local roaster that, that you love, or, or maybe you begin to love because they take you on a journey of different coffee origins, different varieties, different processing methods, I think you'll kind of hit this unlock with coffee and, and life will change. Your journey of coffee will change. And I think for the better, not just yeah, for you, but for the global ecosystem that is coffee. Yeah. And, and I think I would certainly um, echo that guidance, especially again, after visiting your facility, pouring you pouring me some amazing cups of coffee and Frankly, again, if you were to go back 20 years ago, it'd be hard for somebody to take that journey because where did their coffee come from? It came off the commodities market, most likely. And even today, that's most likely where coffee is coming from. But you and companies like yours are now making it possible for people to take that journey. And the exact people that want to take that journey, they're, they're starting, they're choosing these um, sort of flattened playing fields, these distributed systems to participate in, but it's gonna grow beyond there. And, and I, I definitely can see the future that you're um, trying to create in painting as becoming a reality because you're making it possible to be a reality. So I, I think the world is going to thank you for that uh, much more as the future, as we get into the future, but it's already amazing what you're doing today. And I thank you so much for it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity to be here on the podcast. Really, really humbled and uh, grateful to be here. So thank you so All right. much. Thank you, Cole. Again, um, the founder of Forward Coffee, amazing products. Please reach out to the, the Forward Coffee website. Also the director of coffee and a partner at Rosso Coffee here in the Alberta area. Um, if you're looking to get experience with some amazing coffee, you definitely have to try Rosso. It's, um, it's, it's something to experience as you're describing as not just a cup of morning, Joe, but really a sophisticated experience. So thanks again. Um, have a good afternoon and we'll Thank be you. in touch you again. Too. Take care. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry.